once we get that right, which is for me the most important thing, that they have, first of all, respect. The second one is commitment. And the third one, passion. Those three ingredients are non-negotiable. Hello and welcome into the Non-Negotiables podcast. I'm Gavin and I'm here tonight with Pascal. How are you doing, Pas? What's up, Gav? And Justin, how are you doing, Jazz? Hey, hey. Good, good. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get straight into it then. It's been um, another reasonably busy week, actually. Um, first things first, let's uh, pour one out for granite. So the move to Leverkusen is official. Um, twenty-one and a half million pounds, although apparently that's disputed in in Germany. I don't know. It sounds sounds better from our point of view, so we'll we'll go with that. Um, want to know what's your uh, what's your favourite granite moment of his his time with us, Josh? You want to kick us off? Oh, uh, sure, I will. Um, so this this might be kind of basic, um, but I'm actually going to say his last game with us. Um. I was a bit of a notorious granite hater for most of the time he was here. I was pretty much ready to move on, ready to move him on every season since we signed him. Um, But I mean, last season, he just endeared himself so much to me that I actually like legitimately miss him now. So that last game, you know, he bagged two goals and I, I, was hoping for a hat trick so bad for him. Um, I was literally watching the game, not even with like Arsenal in mind. I'm just like, let, you know, let Granite get his hat trick. This will be such a good send off. So yeah, he, almost, uh, he almost got it too, didn't he? He, did. he pulled back and he, he didn't quite get hold of it. So, um, you know, I know there's some great moments. I mean, I, I watched some highlights and his highlights are incredible. I still remember, I have fond memories of his debut goal and just the optimism that I had for him at the time. Um, but yeah, it, that last game was probably the game I was rooting for Granite just like the most, just to you know cap it off. So I'm going to say the final game. And the reaction was great too, considering, like you said, I mean he had his he had his down times, obviously, but the reaction to him was great. He couldn't have asked for a better send off. And who'd have thought four years earlier, Granite Jacker, we want you to stay, would be echoing around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that all that played a part, you know, the emotions and, and stuff like that. I think we already kind of knew that he was probably leaving and it just, you know, felt uh, it just felt right, you know, to, to cheer him on. And and honestly, if I could keep him another season, I, I would like if it was my decision, I'd keep him. So. And uh, pass what you got for us. Um, I, a bit similar to Justin in the sense that if you asked me this two years ago, I'd have a favorite granite worst moment I, I would not have a lot of best moments or favorite moments on a from a good side but last two years there's been quite a few good moments or, or or moments that stick out I think for me it's more of a funny moment um but it's something that kind of um is emblematic of, of who he is um I think it's when we beat Chelsea away um we um for the first time, you actually really... I mean, you probably saw it in games before that, but you, you saw the, the fans singing that we've got Granite Shaka. There was like a real... You could see there was a real love for him, and then he's applauding the fans, and he's having an interview after the game. 
and he goes with the f-bomb and he goes it's fucking amazing and then they, <laughs> the guy had to go yeah, yeah that was uh i think it was bournemouth away actually it was bournemouth. was that not chelsea no it was bournemouth because that was going to be that was actually going to be my moment because I, I you you've Ooh. cost me some you've cost me some money here because i had a bet with uh justin that your minute yours was going to be when he went to fight the stand at tottenham yeah no, you see, I, I used that already <laughs> as a favourite moment of the year, season. So I thought, you know what? I've got to think out of the box and do a little bit of research. I always thought that was Chelsea away for I, some... I'm pretty sure it was Bournemouth away because it was... it was. Um, look at the atmosphere. It's fucking incredible. Yeah, and fucking I'm, incredible. I'm yeah, I loved it. Bournemouth but away. that kind of just shows you the man, though, isn't it? He's He really is just absolutely authentic. That's him. Like, you know, you could see he's a guy that does not have any filter, does not really care for what others think, but is very, very much a, his own person. And that kind of encapsulates that. But also it was a turning point, I feel, in how the fans were starting to really take to him as a player. So that yeah. would be my one. So you now got to think out of the box, mate. I'm sure you've got a plan B. I do. Yeah. I've got plenty of plan Bs. It's granite. Come on. So. Yeah, <laughs> Excluding the ones in your dreams, though, Dad. <laughs> I think for me, the one, the bit when you, the bit for me when I knew that the tide had turned was the season before last, and it was the goal against Man United, the screamer into the bottom corner from 25 mm-hmm. yards. That was the minute, I think, when, that was when the redemption arc was complete. This season has just been like, well, last season now, I guess, it's just been an incredible upturn the whole way through. But I think that that was when it really kind of came all the way back around to the middle again, that moment. And I was saying to Judge before, before we came on pass, both of us watched the same video, which was like a goodbye granite. Yeah. Goals and assisting. And you kind of forget how many goals and assists that he actually had. Because I think he got like 50 or 52 um, in total. And there was a couple of real screamers in there. The, the, goal, against, um, the goal against Spurs this year, at the Emirates, I, I absolutely love when he's coming across and he takes the touch across his body and then fires it into the opposite corner. I, I love that goal. I think that's such an underrated goal. Um, Erwin that came before it as well. So I think there's there's a few moments, but I think that Man United one stands out as one, especially because I think that was kind of, to me, that was the minute that you thought, yeah, he's all the way back now with the crowd. So, um, And it, it is Chelsea. Is Chelsea? Oh, it was Chelsea. Yeah, because um, the, the reason I'm I'm looking at the video now, and then the background has the pride of shitty London. You know their crappy little to- little slogan that they have. Yeah. Um, that that crap thing they have, and that's only at Chelsea. Right? It couldn't be Bournemouth, but um, it, yeah, it's Chelsea. But also, you know what's another good one when he has verbals with Antonio Conte? Have you seen that one? Yes. On the pitch, that's brilliant as well. I mean, yeah. you couldn't happen to a nicer person, could it? <laughs> Yeah, he, he had a few, and I mean, he's he's left. Uh, he's left at. Uh, I mean, I guess it's a good time because he's obviously completed the redemption story, and we're back in the Champions League. But he's also left at a time where you feel like, oh, one more season, and maybe he could have, maybe he could have yeah. hit the hit the heights again. But I guess for him, it's done, right? Completed it, as they say, because he's he's had the season of his life, and. Just, I know you said like one more year. This probably is where he should, where it should end. I think. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you know when I say that I'm I'm being selfish. I think this is the perfect time for Granite to move, um, not just for himself, but but 
but for the team, I think he's been a bit of a, you know, a, 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 a daddy <laughs> to these, you know, these younger guys and, and been a, the natural leader, regardless of if Odegaard wears the armband. Um, but I think they've, they've shown enough maturity and, and, and whatnot that Granite feels like it's, you know, it's, it's a comfortable time to walk away and, you know, he's wanted to go for a couple of years now. So uh, I, th- I think it just does feel, it feels right. He, he, mm. we hadn't been in the champions league since he, we signed him. Well, you know, the first year, of course, but we haven't qualified for the Champions League since we signed him, I guess I should say. And he got us back in, and, and it kind of just, it feels like job well done at this point, right? <clears throat> yeah, it does. And Pass, we had a, you know, there was a big transition last year from the year before, right? It was a, There was a big change to the team style last year. And I think that was, Shaka made a lot of that possible with the way he took to that new role and the way he made it his own. I think you're going to see that evolve again a little bit and maybe it evolves a little bit past what he is as a player so by leaving now it cuts out that awkward bit of him having to sit on the bench which we said we could never really see him see him doing too much of um he also gets a five-year deal at the uh, Leverkusen where he's you know he rather than just a, a, a he had one year left with an option to extend for a further year with us but now he gets a five-year deal so he gets that bit of security. And as fit as he is, you can see him carrying on until well into his late 30s. So for him, you, you can understand why it's now. I think for both for both sides, the club and, and for him, I, I think it, it, it really does make sense. Um, I, it, it's very... Um, I think it's, it was an ending that no one none of us ever foresaw happening. Um, we didn't think that it would end with him being so, become more or less a cult hero at the at the club and yep. to reverse everything. And then at the same time, end it on such a high with his performances. Because I know, Gav, you've been an advocate for him, even in the times when, when Justin and I were really at our wits end with him and thinking it's time to move on, we've got yep. to get rid of him. So we really now see what you were seeing, but also he was, to Arteta's credit, played in exactly the position he was supposed to be playing when we bought him. And I think we saw one, also last season's documentary gave in an insight into how popular he was in the dressing room. Yeah. Um, so I think in, at the end of it, it's a win-win for, for all parties. Arsenal get to at least cash in something. Um, he leaves on a high we get to now start to look into younger reinforcements and changing, perhaps changing some of the way that we play or the systems that Artessa wants to implement. Um, and, uh, and, and he leaves um, on an, on an absolute, he's buzzing. Basically you couldn't, you know, it's like a, a heavyweight boxer that retires at exactly the right moment. And there is no comeback. Mm. Which it's kind of, um, it's almost like a, like a Disney movie ending. Right, it's a Disney movie <laughs> ending that you that you you'd watch and you'd go. Andy scores two on the final day against Wolves. Uh, off, yeah. You know, it's 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 one of them. But it's credit to him for the way he turned it around. And and I say I'm glad it ended on a high. As much as I think we all wanted one more year, it probably is the right time to go because you know you can always just take these things that little bit too far, right? Like like the only way to go from there really was down. So I think it's. Good timing for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's move on. We had a couple of players involved in some um, 
let's say not quite tier one international tournaments over the uh, over the past week. Um, first off, let's start with Emil Smith Rowe winning the under twenty one Euros. I think a year after winning the under twenty ones World or under twenties World Cup was it a couple of years ago? Yeah, I believe so. Um, yeah. So he's a double winner now at, at that level. It's a level that you can argue he probably shouldn't be playing at. Uh, but seeing as he had no football at all last year, it's it's good to see him just get some game time. And I mean, he certainly played with a smile on his face. Jazz, you're our resident ESR lover boy. So what did you make? Because I know you watched a bit more of this tournament than uh, than I think me and pa- well, past much more than me too, because mine was just a few clips. So, but uh, what did you make of him during this tournament? Yeah, so I watched the semifinal, well, most of the semifinal in the final. Um you know, basically just keeping my eyes on, you know, ESR because I don't have any, you know, other connection to, to anyone else. Um, I'm I'm really happy for him. I think, you know, he's going to care about this tournament, even if, you know, general football fans don't think it's that much of a big deal. You know, it's not senior football. I think he did quite, you know, quite well. I thought he was a little quiet in the final, but I thought he had mostly a good tournament. Um but I wasn't even really looking for that. You know, I was just hoping for the, you know, the the fitness, the minutes in the legs, the the confidence to come back. Because, you know, he barely played last year. And I think, um, you know, he easily achieved that. There were times where he was just, you know, brilliant. Um, I think they the, the formation was a little odd for me, but it looked like he was kind of, mostly starting on the left but him and morgan gibbs white would swap uh so gibbs white would go out wide or smith row you know uh similar to kind of how we play like martinelli and jesus um but yeah i thought overall he had a really good tournament but you know it is pretty much kids football um great achievement and uh yeah i mean i'm, I'm proud of him now Ho- i'm hoping he doesn't take a um you know, obviously he he deserves a holiday, but I'm hoping he's back before the U.S. tour because I think that'll be huge for his minutes this year. So that actually got confirmed today, Judge, that he's going to be back for the U.S. tour. He's 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 not even taking a full week off. Um, and wow. he's going to be on the plane on Sunday out to the U.S., which I think is is important. Um, Pat, yeah, that's great. Um, I hadn't seen that. Sorry. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, no, it, it's good. Pass. I mean, sometimes you look at these tournaments and you you think. You know, it's not a good thing for your player to be playing over the summer. He's not getting the break that he needs. Like we said, he's joining up early. And I think he has to join up early, right? Because I think he, he's someone that needs a good preseason behind him. In this case, is it a good thing that he's actually played this tournament? Because he's got none of them competitive minutes in his legs. And let's be fair, no matter what he does on this tour, he's not starting against Nottingham Forest. So it, it's good to get them their minutes in his legs and and maybe just get some of that confidence back again. Yeah, absolutely. I think he, um, you know, he didn't really play at all last season, uh, partly because obviously he was injured, but also partly because he just was not used. So um, building up something, building up some fitness, uh, getting himself ready. Um, I, I think his is this preseason is imperative that he he does do that, and, and credit to him that I don't know if that was his uh, he took the decision not to take the full week off, or if it was a club who insisted on it. If it's uh, the former, then that's credit to him because it just shows you how much he does want to get in into the first team and, and want to prove himself. Um, but I think this is going to be really important. I think, think that under twenty one for the first time, usually I'm I'm the first to. Uh, 
absolutely uh, chastise any form of international football. But um, in this case, I think it's in this particular case, I think it was actually useful for him um, to get some regular. He was sub appearances, but he, he played with regularity in the sense that he did play in every game. Um, and um, and just to to get him back to how we know him. And there were moments in that, like Justin mentioned, there were moments that I saw on clips and um, some of the goals he scores, that that's, that's what we know him as. So I, I think it's going to be, um, I think he's done exactly the right. I believe it started really well for him and um, and hopefully he just kicks on now and, and, and shows up in the uh, tours and pre-season games. Yes, Pastor was mentioned there. He did, he, you know, he came on as a sub a few times. But when we got to the final, obviously he's, he's he's starting that game. Do you think there was a conversation between Arsenal and the England coaching staff with a, a minute restriction on what they were going to do with him? Because it did, it did seem like they were almost nursing him, nursing him through. Not that he necessarily needs it, but he's had a long time without getting serious minutes into his legs. I do. Yeah, I think a conversation was had. Um, he, 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 even the games he started, I believe he started two, um, the final and the third group game, yeah, maybe the, the second quarterfinals. I, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Sure. I don't have it in front of me. Two. Yeah. Yeah. He started two though. And, uh, they didn't play him really past 75 minutes either time. Uh, when he subbed in, it seemed like a scheduled sub. So, yeah, I think there was definitely a conversation there. They didn't want him to get 90, you know, push him to his limit, but they wanted to get minutes into his legs. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And hopefully he'll get some decent time in the in the U.S. on tour as well. And we can kind of, we can see him and and, and see what, what he's got planned for him. We'll, we'll go into him deeper, I think, on another episode further towards the season about what we see coming up for him, because I think we've got some different views on on what we actually see him see him as but we'll we'll go through that another time so we'll move on to the other international in the ranks now pass Matt Turner starring for the US in the Gold Cup saving two penalties um, against Canada he's not our number one he's not likely to be our number one um, but it's still it's always good to see your player standing out like that and I think he's captain in the USMNT as well at this tournament yeah, I, I didn't watch the game, or um, I, I didn't really see too much of it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming maybe Justin did, or, or you did. But um, it, uh, I, I, it, that's all good news, um, and it just shows you that he is going to be a starter for the US, um, re- irrespective of how much game time he's playing at Arsenal. So at least that gets him some minutes under his belt. He's not a bad goalkeeper. I don't think there's anyone that turns around and, and, and can say he's a bad goalkeeper. I don't think he's a bad understudy either. Um, and he's particularly good um, with shot stopping. Uh, um, it's just you're up against Aaron Ramsdale, so it's it's you're always you're kind of losing battle anyway on that one. But um, I do feel um, I, I do feel that's that's all good news for him, and uh, and it's also good for his confidence as well. Yeah, and I think it's good for us that he's continuing that number one. I mean, it was his choice to stay on for the Gold Cup, the US basically rotated their entire squad for this Gold Cup. It's almost like a B team. But Matt Turner, he wanted to stay as captain. He wanted to lead the group. So, you know, I'm hoping that they can um, that they can beat Jamaica and get into the final and, and, and win that final. Is it Jamaica? No, it's Panama, isn't it? Mexico, Jamaica and the other one. It's Panama they've got. So hopefully the US can go all the way in that. Just it brings up an interesting conversation. You're in the quarterfinal of the Champions League. You're at 119 minutes in the second leg. You're about to go to penalties. You've got one sub left. 
Do you do it? A little uh, Louis Van Hall, Tim Kroll moment, right? Like, that's yeah, what it feels I, like. I, I mean, off the bat, I'd do it. I tell you that right now, I would do it. I do think saving penalties is a particular skill that not every goalkeeper has. We were blessed to have David Seaman for a long time, who was exceptionally skilled at it. We also saw Petr Cech that never saw a penalty that he liked. He wouldn't ever go anywhere near one. And yeah, Ramsdale hasn't covered himself in glory from penalties either. I, I think if it's me, I'm making the sub. At this moment, yeah, I'm I'm making the sub, I think. I, I have more faith in Turner to stop a penalty than I do in Ramsdale right now. But that doesn't mean that won't evolve, you know. Um, but I think that's a that's a very interesting you know, strategy that we're keeping in our pocket. So I don't think it's a bad thing at all. And look, you know, Turner staying on for both international uh, tournaments uh, with him being the second choice goalkeeper, it only benefits Arsenal. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm all for it. And hopefully, you know, he continues to get better. And, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think, you know, we're in the CL final tomorrow. I'm probably taking Turner if I've got that last sub. Yeah, Pass, would you would you do the same thing? I mean, it takes a, a big, big hairy pair of bollocks to do it. Yeah, but it it, it it's not I, I agree with what you just said though. It it's not really um it, it's a different skill set, isn't it? Um so you're utilizing what you feel is is a stronger skill set set, what one goalkeeper has over the other one. Um so at this moment in time, he seems to be better at penalty shootouts than um than Aaron Ramsdale um, and exactly like what Louis van Gaal did and when he did not do it Holland went out so um, it, it seems to it, it seems to make sense when they went with that approach because you are trying to get the very best out of the, the skill set that each goalkeeper has and I don't think I it would. reflects yeah and I, I don't think it reflects badly on the goalkeeper either like like, like we said a penalty is a, is a very very first off penalties have a 0.77 xg Right, 77% of penalties are scored. So it doesn't mean you're a bad goalkeeper if you're not saving penalties at a huge, huge rate. It also is a it's a different skill to what you're showing for the rest of the game. So if Turner has got a better skill, he's better at that particular skill than Ramsdale. Ramsdale is better than him at every other skill, but if he's better at that one, I don't think it would cause a problem for Ramsdale. To, to make that sub. I think, you know, you at the end of the day, you do that in the quarterfinals. Ramsdale still knows he's starting the semi, just. Yeah, I agree 100%. And yeah, I don't think it hurts Ramsdale's confidence. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I think always getting subbed in a situation, subbed in a situation like that is going to, you know, hurt. But I think um, Ramsdale thinking about, well, like what's best for the team, I think it'd be totally understandable. Yeah, I don't think it would be an issue at all. Yeah, and... Pass, we, we talked about this on here a little bit before. I mean, I think this probably means that we've got Turner for another year at least, right? Because he knows that that number one spot isn't under threat. I would imagine this is the last year of Turner, though. I can't see him staying beyond that. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Uh, although, I mean, what was how was it sold to him when he did come as to what his role would be? That's the question because Ramsdale, it was pretty obvious, had nailed down the number one spot even when Turner came in. So, my, I, I would really like to know how that was sold. If he was, if he was under the impression that that opportunity might come and they he might be looked as a first, or was he just purely as 
FIFA, you know, wrote um, prospect or sporadic or <laughs> one of those uh, particular, um, uh, you know, one of those had that particular criteria to him. So Squadron. because if he didn't, if he didn't, then if it was sold to him that you're just a second goalkeeper and you might play in occasional cup games, the question is what would have changed then it, unless another team where he thinks he will play first team football in a higher league, in, in a league equivalent or abroad, a um, guaranteed in first team football? I think, honestly, I think two things have, have changed, right? First of all, um, well, one one actually hasn't changed, but may change. First of all, he's quite well cemented in as the US number one. So he could afford mm. to basically ride the pine for most of the year, just play a couple of cup games and keep his spot as US number one, right? So I think that is that may still be the case, but that obviously is always in flux. That can change. The second mm. thing that's changed is we are now in the Champions League, not in the Europa League. He's not playing Champions League group stage games. He's not. Yeah. He's just not. So... Unless we've unless we win our first five games and there's a dead rubber in the sixth, he's not getting a start in that. So where does that leave him? He'll start the League Cup games. He'll probably start the early FA Cup round games. But if we got into the quarterfinal, I think Ramsdale probably comes back in again for that. And I think to me that is what's changed. Those Europa League games are gone. Um, I would imagine, and I don't know this, but I would imagine he's obviously a big Arsenal fan, and I think the chance to first off get into the Premier League spend a year or two at Arsenal, um, maybe get a couple of games if Ramsdale goes down, definitely play some cup games. I, f- I understand why that's appealing. I would have done it if I was him. He certainly hasn't done him any harm. He's not going to be in a worse situation. He's been well paid. Let's be fair. He's been well paid for the last two, the last year and will be this year. He's not going to be in a worse position now than if he'd have stayed in New England. Just Hey man, it's, it's, you know, dream completed check, you know, is how I look at it. Mm. He's gotten a lot of intense uh, goalkeeper training. He's gotten a lot of experience. He's played in Europe. Um, I think now that we are out of Europa League, I could definitely see him moving on. Yeah, just because there's just not going to be the minutes there. I think he's um, he probably is too good of a goalkeeper to just stay and play, you know, Carabao and FA, in early FA Cup games. Um, and, you know, if he didn't want to move on you'd have to question him as like his ambition as a number two wouldn't you like I mean if he's just content to sit there behind Ramsdale you'd kind of have to worry about that you want your number twos to to want to move on eventually yeah I, I think that's right I think that's right and I think honestly I think two years is is about right he's yeah. you know he's come over he's achieved the dream he's played his played his part in some of it I, I think he's I think it's. I think two years is about right, and he'll move on. He'll get a move somewhere in Europe. We'll probably earn earn a few bucks on him, um, yeah. and and he'll go somewhere. His reputation certainly won't be diminished by being at Arsenal for two years, rather than New England Revolution. Yeah. So I think it's. I think it's a win win all round. So back to the domestic scene then. Um, start of the preseason, pass behind closed doors game with Watford. We drew one one. Um, hashtag Arteta out. Is it, is it the start of the Panther era? <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't see too many comments about it, but I wasn't really reading too much into this one. Um, so I didn't really see. But uh, yeah, uh, I think it was uh, Marquinhos. Was that who scored? 
Yeah, yeah, it was it was Marquinhos. I mean, I've I've not seen very much of it. It was a good run by Crozier Dubry and shot parried out Marquinhos with a nice little finish. But yeah. I don't think we uh, I don't think we really need to need to go into it. I mean, it was it was basically a it was just whoever was hanging around at the training ground happened to be playing it, it, because Watford are right next door, so there was probably just a gap. Yeah, in London Colney, yeah, right? They they just find the hedge. Yeah, 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 yeah. Head, yeah. wandered through and and just had a little kick about. So I don't think we need to go into any more of that. Um, I, I will say though, I I watched the the highlights and I was um you you guys remember you know we watched a uh, uh, preseason well we watch preseason every year but uh, remember how sketchy uh, Arthur Okonkwo looked? Yeah, uh, I thought he looked. You know, I mean, it's the first preseason game, but he made some like stunning saves. That was be- that was basically the only takeaway I really had. But I was really impressed with some of the saves he made. Um, free kicks from deep, free kicks close. Um, yeah, I mean, so you know, maybe watch out Turner there. You know, well, that's that's the flip side as well of of Turner staying with the US, right? It gives a Conquo some a chance to play that he really doesn't get very often in preseason because again. Turner, it doesn't matter to Turner, he's not playing opening day anyway, and this just gives a Conquer a chance to get some game time before maybe he goes out on, on loan again next year, so that's good stuff, well, we left to we left for Germany um, yesterday, the day before it was yesterday right, and gone for a tour of Adidas HQ um, before flying to the US on Sunday after the game on Thursday night past Thursday night um, this is kind of like the last warm-up for the warm-ups yeah yeah it's um it, i think now it's going to start getting serious for pre-season so we're going to see a lot more um a lot more of the big guns playing and uh as we've already talked about it is a short pre-season it's a short um uh it's not long and we're a month away now from the uh from the start of the premier league so it's uh yeah it's 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 now when the real work starts and uh, we really see what this team is about and hopefully uh at some point we'll have two new signings as well um well, I know we're going to talk about that later but um with that as well, well we we might not be talking about that for another 3 years the way uh, yeah I know I know it is quite exhausting but um if that is going to happen as we are expecting it to they would also be involved which would makes it even more appealing to watch and 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 study over Well I think I think Havertz is definitely going to be involved on on Thursday mm. night and I think what I what I had heard was that um they were hoping to have Timber involved for at least part of the part of the game but mm. Seeing as they didn't do the announcement today, I mean it's a, a pretty quick turnaround if they do announce it tomorrow. And then obviously he's got to get out there. I saw he was having a he was having a party back in back in Holland, a goodbye party. His brother had a nice uh, "See You on the Streets of London" poster made up. So so he's announced it. Um, I believe Ajax have announced it. It's Ajax just, have, yeah, yeah. We just we haven't we haven't announced it yet. I think our, our announcement team are. Uh, I think what happened? They fired everybody for leaking the Kai Havertz video. So now they're trying to replace the whole uh, social media team to try and try and get it announced. That actually really could be possible. Yeah, you never know because they're probably mostly interns, anyways. Wouldn't you say? I would, I would think so. I mean, yeah. whoever, whoever leaked that, it's probably, uh, you know, they're 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 probably not around anymore. I I would think yeah. it took about two seconds to figure out figure out who that was. Yeah. Um, is there anything you've seen so far? I mean, Mikel was looking uh, looking 
quite uh quite dashing riding his riding his bike around the bikes are back at the uh at the german hq which is which is quite fun um anything anyone noticed from them pictures trossard's trossard's still got very gray hair <laughs> um i i would just say you know um I would, you know, I took note of the kids that were involved. You know, we have, uh, you, you already brought up uh, Kosher, Dewberry, Kosher Dewberry, but, um, you know, Anwinary is also there uh, after signing the contract. Kosher du- Dewberry actually didn't travel. He He's not there. Um, Wanieri is there with Rural Waters. And who was the other one that was there? Uh, no, but Kosher Dewberry is not there. Uh, I, I don't even have the player list in front of me, but I'm sorry. I, I thought you mentioned that earlier. Um, but, no, he played um, against Watford, but he, he he didn't make the. He was one of the ones that didn't make the. Didn't make Lino Souza didn't make the trip either. I thought he might have gone. Gotcha. So that'll be something I'll be curious to see for the 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 U.S. roster as well. It, you know, because I think last year we only took Walters, right? Yes, um, it was only it was only Walters that made the trip from the youth team. So I think that'll that'll be kind of telling it how many players, how many youth players uh, Arteta, you know, expects to be able to step up, and I'm I'm expecting the list to be small. Yeah, I think it will be, no doubt. I mean, I, I think um, Patino didn't make the trip, uh, Laconga didn't make the trip. I think there's probably reasons for that. Yeah, um, you can you know you can draw your own conclusions on on why that is. I I, I always expected Balogun to be there. I don't think you tour the US and and leave their centre forward behind. Like I said, I always thought yeah. he'd be there. And you know, and it doesn't it doesn't preclude deals from happening either. I mean, we signed Zinchenko in the middle of a of a yeah. US tour last year, so you know, yeah. players can always fly and, and and move off elsewhere. Um, past the the flight Sunday, we'll obviously all be watching to see if Declan Rice makes it or not we're we're hoping he's going to make it for the for the tour of the US um other than that it's pretty much pretty much as expected right yeah yeah didn't see anything of note that um that stood out so it's um it, it it's also I think a good chance I always like preseason to look at the young players like Justin said you know you want to look at which ones is the next the future and also new signings as well but obviously as it stands it's only Harvard so we'd be looking at but it also gives us an idea of what plans Arteta has because we can see where does he want to play Harvard we're thinking midfield we're assuming that's what it's going to be but we're going to see more about players position because that's when we first saw Ben White playing at right back and Saliba going into the center back role last season so it's a really good way to just get an idea of what we we should be expecting when the season starts. Yeah, and it was the same with Jesus went straight in up front, and when we signed Zinchenko, mm-hmm. I mean, literally a day later, he was playing left back in a way that only Zinchenko can play left back. So yeah, you're, you're right there. It's it's definitely uh, there's definitely some indicators going to go on for that. Judge, what are you uh, most excited to see? Ooh. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see where Rice and Havertz play. I mean, you know, I think we've all talked about, we all think, you know, Rice is going to be the nailed six, right? Um, but Havertz is a, is a huge wild card, uh, and can go in anywhere. I think, um, you know, those would be the, the most interesting points. And again, like I brought up earlier, what, you know, what kids are brought that he thinks can be like knocking on the door for, you know, Carabao Cup depth and stuff like that. Um, even Jesus and his positioning, you know, I I don't think Havertz is going to be a false nine here. 
but you know that that's all stuff we really have no idea about we're all just speculating you know so i think there's a lot of of, of interesting stuff to to glean from these these next uh friendlies yeah agreed and, and Balogun's going to get some time up top as well so it'll be yeah, yeah. In, does he come straight in for jesus directly or does Jesus move out to the right to have a little little tinker where Saka plays while Balogun's up top? Is it Nelson that comes in for Saka? There's some. There's definitely some uh, some interesting stuff to go on. Yeah, yeah, great point. Yep. So, all right, lads. Well, let's leave the first part there. And we'll come back in part two. We've got quite a bit more to talk about yet. So, we will see you after the break. Sounds good. Hey guys, just a couple of quick halftime announcements. We would really appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. It really helps us reach a wider audience and we thank you for your support. Also, don't forget to check out our socials. We are The NN Pod on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. We try and put out some cool content, so give us a like or a follow and help us build our Guna community. Welcome back into the non-negotiable podcast. This is part two. So we've seen some backroom churn over the uh, over the last week, lads. We saw um, the doctor O'Driscoll leave for Manchester United. Um, not really a surprise as such. He was going to leave a couple of years ago to go to Liverpool, and Arteta talked him around. He's from that area. He's from the northwest. So I think this is this is a family decision more than anything else. He's been at Arsenal. 12 years past it's it's this happens right it does it, it it's difficult obviously because we're in a, a good place and um we've uh we've we've actually managed injuries pretty well i mean of, of course i say that but then we had saliba and then we had tomiyasu and jesus but in a, compared to what we were used to in previous years um we've had a big improvement in that area so it's obviously it's a loss but but these kind of things happen. There's a lot of churn when it comes to these type of um, positions. And uh, uh, I'm sure we, we have enough people out there to find the right replacement. And that's it, Judge. It's, at the end of the day, he's a doctor, right? Right. He's not getting out there and putting the ball in the net or he's not getting out there and saving penalties. So we'll, we'll have the reach to just go and pluck someone else. Yeah, I mean, that's it, right? Um, yeah, we'll just go plug somebody else. Uh, you know, all all respect to uh, O'Driscoll. He's been with us a long time. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not too worried about this one, um, you know, as much as probably the next one we're going to talk about. Yeah, this, this one's the most interesting one. And it'd be interesting to get <clears throat> different views on this because I've been reading quite a bit on this. Um, so Steve Round, Arteta's assistant, who's been with him since he first joined, um, has either been mutually consented or left by mutual consent, depending on how you want to look at it. I don't know which way around it is. I haven't heard anything about whether he wanted to leave, whether we wanted him to leave. Mutual consent always starts somewhere, right? <laughs> Some Someone mutually consents first. And I, I, I don't know who it was in this. Um, but there's a couple of things here. I mean, first off, when we got him, we got him from almost a director of football position at Aston Villa. So it's quite possible that after you know nearly what four four years now um, of working under Arteta, maybe he wanted to go back to something like that. Um, it's possible that Arteta wanted to go in a different direction. I think over the last twelve to eighteen months, we've seen the influence of certainly Albert Earpods and 
also um, also Molina and probably Jovic as uh, Jova as well. We've seen their influence grow. Um, so there's a chance that one of them might get promoted. Um, Jazz, how are you reading the room on this one? <clears throat> so this one's a little interesting. So, uh, you know, just for, you know, putting it out there, you know, obviously we're all fans. None of us really 100% know what every coach does. Um, but I will say, you know, the the experience we're losing with Steve Round is a little concerning but i also do wonder if it's just you know he was one of the most the one of the first appointments mikel arteta made and um i do wonder if maybe this is just mikel kind of you know he was he was leaning on him for a bit and now he's you know he's feeling comfortable he's ready to kind of you know step away maybe promote one of the the younger guys and like you know Kueska or um so, you know, it's it's kind of a hard question to answer. Um I don't know if I'm 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 necessarily worried. I mean, I've got a lot of faith in our coaching staff and I think we've we've planned it well and you know, uh I hate to make the comparison, but Sir Alex Ferguson, he used to turn over his coaching staff quite a bit, especially after uh, you know, a successful season which I mean, I think ours was last season despite not winning the title. Uh I think it's you know, keeping fresh ideas, uh, having new people to to challenge the manager's ideas and the other guys that are already there is 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 a good thing. Overall, I think it's I think it's a good thing. Pep's backroom staff changes all the time as well, Pass. I mean, you know, Arteta was part of that at one point. We saw Patrick Vieira was part of that, and he left this summer. Rodolfo Burrell, who was his second in command, has left. Um, the guy whose name I can never remember, who left to take over NYCFC. What was his name? Can't remember, but he left. Um, so yeah, it's it, this is something that happens at all top clubs. This this moving on thing, and one of the criticisms we had with the Arsene Wenger reign was that you know the first half of it was all Declan Rice's dad Pat. A joke, of course. I know it's not really Declan mm. Rice's dad. Um, so he was the first half of um, of it, and then it was Steve Bold. And one of the criticisms was it was too comfortable, right? It was too many yes men. So, Pass, this this there is a positive spin to put on this, right? Yeah, in in that, I think modern day football is it's because you know if we we relate back to to the Wenger years, um, uh, there was a lot more longevity, including the man himself. Um, I think in modern day football, it's just not like that anymore. I think there's turnover of staff a lot more uh, prevalent um, in the modern game. And I don't think it's anything to be too alarmed about because if you have a good system in place and you have the right people um, making the appointments, then um, they will invariably make the right decisions generally. Um, I mean, Arteta himself, he was... I also think that the better you are as a team or the more successful you become as a team or more known as a team, the more your staff is going to be... Um, sought after and and given higher positions perhaps in other clubs so i take it more as a compliment really than uh anything too detrimental of course like justice said when they've got a lot of experience they're uh they're they they add a lot to the club you know it's 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 not the best when they they part but i i, I don't have any major concerns about any of these in that we'll find adequate relate replacements for them jazz are you about to tell me who it was Dominic Torrent. 
Yes, Dominic Torrent. That was it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So um. So yes, that churn. I agree. I don't think there's anything. Uh, anything big to worry about. Um, we have had two renewals confirmed this week. Reese and uh, Big Willie. We knew they were both coming. Um, so they're they're confirmed. No need to really go over that. We've we've done them to death. We we knew it was arriving, and that's all it is. Um, but I think one thing that is kind of related to that. They released, I don't even know who did this. Again, Justin, you're probably going to tell me this because you're better at this than I am. Um, But someone released a study of squad values over the last couple of weeks, and it was who's got the squad. And it turns out that apparently we have the second most valuable squad in the world, and we're not too far behind Man City, which is a far cry from the days when we were paying players to go away. Um, Part of that is obviously the talent ID. Part of it is better handling of contracts. So with two years to go, we're getting players tied down, um, which seems mad to say, seeing as Reese literally went out of contract a couple of days ago. Um, but he's, mm-hmm. now, he's now back in. Um, is the next evolution, Jazz, now to get the selling side right to take advantage of these values? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um We've been notoriously a bad selling club for for a, a while now, several years. Um, I think, um, you, you know, like it, what concerns me is that offering guys like you know guys like Enkatia and 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 Nelson offering these guys contracts to like preserve values, and I'm doing finger quotes. Um, I do wonder how much of that is the club, you know, saving face versus you know actually just saying they don't want to buy a replacement I, I i don't know but yes um how much of that is expediency though just because they're already there and it's in a we're, we're spending a lot of money on a lot of places in the squad right and the players we're spending money on we're spending big money on the right players so how much of this is that you need warm bodies around um and they're obviously going to have offers from elsewhere they're going to be signing on a free so the signing on fees are going to be reasonably large how much of it is just the fact that Eddie and Reese happen to be standing in the right place at the right time? I mean, yeah, they absolutely were. And expediency is a huge part of that. Um, the fact that Reese went out of contract on, you know, June 30th. Um, and we definitely, I think, are going to sell a few before we buy again, I think is a, a big deal where had we let him you know, float as a free agent, he probably would have signed somewhere else and we wouldn't have had that opportunity. So yeah, I think expediency makes a a big difference, but you still sometimes have to, I mean, how many times on this show have we said that, you know, why would Reese Nelson re-sign with us? Because I'm still trying to figure that out, although I'm happy that he signed the contract, but I'm just talking about for Reese Nelson, I don't know if it makes a ton of sense because I still say Saka plays 97.6% of the minutes he's fit. Yeah, I mean, you've got money. Um, obviously, plays a big part. He doesn't have to move. He's oh, yeah, I, I forgot about that part. A long time. Yeah, I mean, some of these some of these guys play to earn a living. <laughs> that's, uh, that's just kind of where, where we are with it. But it it is... It all adds into this idea of building squad value, right? And this is kind of what Edu must have sold Stan and Josh when they were cutting the contracts of Aubameyang, Mustafi, Kalasnac. What he's saying is, look, you've got dead weight here. These these aren't assets, what we've got here. We can't sell them. 
they aren't assets. Let's cut bait. Let's get the wage bill down and let's actually get assets into the club. Past the talent ID over the last few years, not every deal has worked out. Do you know what I mean? Like there's been a Sambi Laconga, there's been a Nuno Tavares. Not every deal has worked out, but in the main, they have worked out. Now it helps when you happen to have the best right winger in the world come through your academy and you absolutely smash it out the park on a six million quid teenager from the second division in Brazil. But the talent ID definitely seems to have improved. And when we gutted that scouting department a couple of years ago, I know you were in the same boat as me of like, oh my God, what are we doing? But it seems to have worked out. It seems, and that they have a right to feel a little bit vindicated by the decisions they've made. Um, I think um, also, uh, you know, like you said, there is going to be a Marquinhos, there is going to be a Tavares. Um, Man United were good at identifying talent. They had youth players coming through, but there was always a Jemba Jemba or a Cleberson that would come along. And, you know, so it's going to happen. It's just how much are we we putting out for these type of players? We're not really putting out that much. I mean, Lukonga, okay, you could say 20 million it's not to be scoffed at, but it's not ridiculously high for these young players. Um, I'd be a lot more concerned if I was buying an Anthony for 80 million than, you know, a Laconga for 20, when really I think they're probably assisted about the same. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, I think that we seem to be pinpointing the right areas. Um, we're also, um, I, I, I'm hoping this summer we're getting our sales right. We've started, we haven't started badly. Uh, Shaq has gone for a reasonable amount. We're holding firm on Balogun. Um, we'll see how that transpires. Um, but I, there's definitely massive improvements in who we're identifying. In terms of that website, I've forgotten. Was it, it's, I think it's the same one. It's the same people that valued Ramsdale as the most um, valuable goalkeeper. Yeah, and I, I think, think this is the, the culmination one... of everything, right? So they were releasing position by position and then they did the whole squad. Yeah, so what they do is they look at the age, they look at what contract they're on, how many years they've got left in their contract, um, and that's how they equate these valuations. So if you think of Saliba now, I'm assuming they're going to have him in as one of the most valuable defenders as opposed to last month or two months ago when he had not signed the contract because now he's committed to a longer-term contract and he's young and he's fucking amazing. Yeah, and I mean, Judge, you know, no one's taking this at, at, at face value. I think what it is is by us being where we are in that list and you think of where we would have been in that list 24 months ago. Mm. It, it, it's just, I think it is, it is definitely vindication of what we've been doing. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, I don't necessarily take it seriously, but I mean, you know, it, it is really nice to see. And I think it is vindication on, on some of the business that we've done. Um, you know, it, it's not just buying players, you know, but, but our contract extensions have been on point and, you know, <clears throat> just for like a counter argument, I just pulled up Forbes just to be curious. And I think Forbes is, you know, decently reliant on this. They had us at 10th. Now, this is at the end of May, but, um, you know, I mean, 10th still isn't really a bad spot to be compared to where we were two years ago, if you guys remember. I mean, mm-hmm. the squad value was pretty much at an all-time low two years ago. We had uh, pretty much every good player that we, you know, had was had like a year left. We had tons of 30-somethings, uh, bloated wages. I mean, 
regardless of if you take this new site as a source, I think it's um it's optimistic no matter what. Mm. Yeah, I mean we were we were at a stage where we players didn't have a value they had a minus because we were having to pay them to go away. Right. I mean, yeah, don't exactly. get me wrong, we do still have a couple of them players on the books, right? I am still convinced that we are going to end up paying Cedric to walk away, and I think we're going to end up paying Pepe to walk away. I still think oh, that's going to happen. But <laughs> yeah, Pepe. I forget he exists sometimes still. But, yeah. But um, but but in the main, I think it's um. I think it's a promising it's a promising thing for sure. That leads me on to the next part, um, which is Sambi Lakonga. He's been linked with a low move to Burnley again and again. And it, it seems like there might be something in it. And I want to get your guys' view on first off, is it the right move, or would we be better off sending him out to a league? like France, where you think he could maybe stand out a little bit more to try and gain some of that value back. Um, obviously, you're seen a lot more in the Premier League, and if you do something in it, you're going to be valued a lot higher. Um, and also, it seems like one of the stipulations might be, like with the Pablo Marie clause, if Burnley stay up, then they have to buy him at X amount. Paz, how do you? how would you try and structure this? Because obviously, you don't really want to sell him this summer right? Because you're selling him at such a low point. It doesn't hurt you to keep him around for for another year. So I think you agree that that's what you would do is try and loan him out for one more year? Yeah, yeah, I, I would do that. And and also just be very, um, just to vet the clubs that are interested well in terms of the expectations that how, how often do they plan to play him? What is their role for him? Because you want you do not want it to be a case where he's going there and he's hardly playing because you're just back to square one again. So you absolutely, I'd loan him out. Um, perhaps ideally, option to buy, obligation to buy um, uh, for the club, um, or just a straight loan. But yeah, you, it's it's worth letting try and get that value up and then selling him on next year. I don't think he's on ridiculously high wages either. So I don't think that would be a problem. It's just more the performances. He's not really shone in, in any year yet to justify a price tag that maybe some clubs that Arsenal might want for him, um, at least to get back what they paid. Well, Chelsea did this really well for years, Just They they played the low market and they sold their players at the right time when they were coming back off of loans. I remember, you know, people like Marco Marin, um, they they hung on to a few. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you saw that uh, Baba Rahman finally left Chelsea after I think nine years there this yeah. week, and it's it's madness. But they you know they got paid for every loan he was on. I've no doubt at the very worst he he, he broke even. Um, but they were they were good for a long time at loaning players out and selling them at the right time after a loan. And I think that is the next step for us is to get better at that, especially with a lot of the younger players coming through who aren't going to make it at ours, but they can make it somewhere else. So when it comes to where would you send him, just do you think you take the chance of sending him to somewhere like Burnley in the Premier League? I mean, Paz is right. He's got to be guaranteed some playing time. But would do you think you'd be better off sending him to the Premier League where he, where if he shows out, you've really hit the jackpot? Or do you send him somewhere like France or Holland where he's more likely to show out, but at the same time, the questions are going to remain? I'd 100% send him to Burnley if it's the option. Uh, rumors say Vincent Company is the one that suggested him to Mikel uh, due to the you know Manchester City ties and whatnot. Um, I think 
it's it's a great opportunity to have a manager that truly believes in the player despite his age. Um, I mean, he could come on leaps and bounds under company. Um, and I think company is the kind of guy that is going to stick with him for a while too, and really make him better just based on what he did with Burnley last year. I mean, the transformation is pretty insane in Burnley. And I think me and you are both a little bit higher on Lukonga as a player. Than I like him. Yeah, I, I, like I him do think there's a, there's a player in there. So if you were, if you were to do that, would you want a mandatory fee, say 15 million if they stayed up or 20 million we paid for it? So let's say you get your money back, 20 million if Burnley stay up. Or would you rather say, you know what, let's take our chances for the year. We'll get him back next summer, whether Burnley go up or down. Um, and then we'll try and work out a fee with somebody then or even negotiate with Burnley if they stay up. That's actually a really interesting question. Do you know how much time's left on his contract off the top of your head? Because I don't. I think it's two more years after this one, I believe. So. So three years. I think it's three years right now. So I think if we could get a loan, and I like the player, you know, everybody knows I like the player. But but do you, just to clarify though, like I like the player, but I don't think he's going to make it at Arsenal. I think his Arsenal career is is done. Do you think there's a chance he comes back here and plays or or do you agree with me that this is a loan with a view to a sell? You know, it's so tough because we're, yeah, I I think if we could get a if we could get a loan with a twenty million option to buy to Burnley if they stay up, we take it. I I do. I think we take it. Um, that being said, though, I mean, you know, we're we're looking at 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 Lavia, who's you know his his you know compatriot, and um, you know it it does kind of just you know I mean you know he was there not that long ago you know I mean of course not in the Premier League but. I do think there's still some value in this kid. I think the biggest question is, you know, can he play six? Because we've seen him have some great passing, some great long passing. He's been decent defensively, but he's not been great on the ball. I think if he can't play six, you got to, he's going to have to go. Yeah, I think to me that I don't think he can. I think that was part of the problem. I don't think he is. I don't think positionally he's switched on enough. But then again, I don't think many people are at that age in that position. It's what makes Declan Rice such an anomaly that at yeah. 24 years old, he's he can do that stuff. Most people can't. Like I'm telling you right now, Lavia cannot play six in this league. He can't. You, you've just seen it. A team just got relegated trying it out. So he's not ready. Uh, I think Lavia, maybe Lavia could be ready in a couple of years, whereas Lekonga's already four or five years ahead of of Lavia in, in terms of age. Um, but it's it's a tough thing to do. And I personally don't know that Sambi's got that in him. I think he's more of an eight. And I think he's an eight for a lower Premier League team. But that, if we're ta- Sorry. If we're talking uh, about him in an eight, yeah, just go ahead and sell him. Yeah, I, 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 think- I, I I think that's that's what we that's what we are talking about. And Paz, I know you again. You're 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 not as high on him as a as a player. Um, so I assume you'd be pretty happy if there was a twenty million mandatory uh, buy clause if Burnley stayed up. Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't think his value can can go higher than that. That in such a short period of time. I, I just couldn't see that happening. However, that, just going back to Burnley, uh, company's got them playing a different style of football as well, which probably would suit him. It's not, um, 
it's not uh, a, a, a low block up team. front and uh... yeah you know yeah exactly in the woods and 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 that kind of that kind of style i think it's a more on football on the ground passing from the back it, it could be a, a good learning curve for him but i uh, for us to get more than 20 million would be incredible um for us to just break even on him i think is what we probably would be aiming for yeah, I think we I think we probably do that deal, to be honest. If it if it has a mandatory buy clause to get our money back, I, I think it's a deal that we that we probably do. Um yeah, me too. so the next two the next two I want to mention, I, I think that they're, they're not linked as players, but they're linked as far as the clubs that are interested. So we've seen Balogun linked to Chelsea. Um I know there's been reports that his people have actually met with Chelsea. I know there's been some denials of that. I think there's probably no smoke without fire. I'm guessing there probably has been some meetings. Um, and Patino is also being pretty heavily linked with Brighton, which would be a fantastic move for him. Um, Judge, when it comes to these two clubs in particular, we can't show any mercy in what we're asking for, right? Like there, there is a there is a there is a price that we charge Chelsea. There is a price that we charge Brighton. There is a charge price that we charge West Ham. That is a different price to what we're charging Burnley or Nottingham Forest, right? Oh, absolutely. I expect us to absolutely rinse these clubs if they want our players. And I mean, there, there's just no reason to sell for less. Um, they're both going to have suitors. And I think Patino especially is a great fit for Brighton. But, um, you know, these are clubs that make their bread and butter off buying, you know, one two million pound players and flipping them in two years for you know 50 60 million they're flush with cat sorry not chelsea of course but brighton yeah. yeah um they're flush with cash um there is no reason why we should be easy on this one at all in my opinion um i would prefer to even sell balogun i mean abroad but it just depends on where the 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 money is right yeah, it, it does. And Pass, I was actually going to bring you in on, on this point. Is is Balogun a talent that you would say, I actually just don't want to sell him to Chelsea? I mean, and and beyond that, are we at a stage where we can't say that anymore because we have to move players in the Premier League? Ideally not. Wouldn't really want to sell it to them. Again, though, it is it's down to what's out there, what's who's putting offers on the table who's interested in him because I'm pretty sure we would prefer to deal with someone someone else like Justin mentioned abroad or a lower league team uh, a, lo- a team lower down the league in the Premier League um, but I mean there's to be fair there's only eight of them yeah. Milan's got that Tonali cash that's what I'm looking at yeah, yeah but Italian true. teams have sometimes can get cash from you know look but look at the way that they bargain they'll they'll still put in a crack yeah well, well that like cash that million. cash is probably already gone do you know what <laughs> I mean like that's the thing that cash yeah. is probably not there anymore yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I think I think if it is Chelsea if that's the only one that he wants to go to specifically and he really pushes for that move then we have to rinse them we have to yep. totally take them to we've got to really get the best we can possibly get and they can afford him we know that Yep. With Brighton, however, I always worry when they come in for players because they have got a good talent. They, they're good at spotting talent. So with Brighton, you have to definitely have a sell-on clause or a buyback option, one of the two. But I, I would definitely ask for something more 
with Patino if it's Brighton. Um, but um, I, I, I personally, I think, yes, we need to cash in on players. But if there is any way Balligan can stay and we can sell Nketiah, that's my preferred option. But if not, same yeah, sell him for the best possible price. Yeah, I think we I think we're all in we're all in agreement on that. And I'm 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 sure we're all hoping that during this US tour when Balogun gets some some one on one time with Mikel, he can sell him on the idea of sticking around. I think the sticking mm. point of that is Eddie. Right. I I think that is the problem because I don't know you can keep both of them in the squad. I think it would be very but then again, you know what? Eddie's probably gonna play the same amount of football if Balogun stays or if he goes, which is like probably a hundred minutes. Like, he's not going to play any more than that anyway, I guess. Just, just, is there any way you can see anyone actually coming in for Eddie? Because I, I just think, you know, you were saying before about these these contracts we were handing out and how protecting the value sometimes doesn't make sense. And, and I think that's where we're at here. I think we've given out contracts, and if the intent was to protect the value, I think they've had the adverse effect and actually destroyed the value. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point, Gav. Um... I think the contract is, we don't a hundred percent know what Nelson was offered yet. I mean, there, there's some stuff out there, but um, I think, you know, if, if the hundred, a hundred K a week to Enkedia is true, I do think that hurts us quite a bit. Mm. Um, And I'm, I'm sure it was included in, you know, with sell on and stuff like that. But I mean, still, no matter what he's making, you know, really good wages for his squad position. Um. I could see Premier League clubs being interested in him still, but um, I think Balogun's the hot topic item. So, uh, you know, I kind of have my doubts on, you know, if somebody, you know, I think think if somebody comes in for Eddie, it's going to be close to the, the end of the window. It'll be like my plan A, B, and yeah. C. In, in no disrespect to Eddie or anything. Sorry, I don't, I don't mean, I'm not trying to trash the player. I like Eddie, but it'll be late in the window. Yeah, I think Eddie would do a good job for someone. I just, you know, like we spoke about on here before, I'm just not sure how many teams I see looking at Eddie and Ketir and going, that's who I want to make my highest paid player. Yeah. Pass, do you, do you think there's any chance we can we can move him on? I, I think Justin hits the nail on the head. Uh, I think he said this before, which is a really good point. There is going to be a lot of our players, I feel, that go at the end of the window. Uh, towards the end of the window. And it's purely because they're not priorities. They're not going to be number one targets. Uh, the ones that we want to get rid of, um, there's a reason why we want to get rid of them. And that's yeah. they're not going to be number one priorities for the clubs in the Premier League. So I think we come to towards the end of the window and then you might see people who have been priced out of the market for strikers. Because strikers are hard to come by at the moment, especially at a decent price. They're very expensive. So um, your Inketias of this world, uh, Tierney's of this world, Holdings of this world, that's, I think, that last week you're going to start seeing movement. And what, what we do will be interesting because if Balogun does not stay, then I think the likelihood is we hold on to Eddie. So we would not sell him. So it'll be dependent. If Balogun commits, then I think we're probably um, looking for suitors for Eddie. That's interesting because that was a question I was about to ask you. So I'll put it to Justin because you've already answered it. Um, Mm. If we do sell Balogun in the next couple of weeks and then towards the the end of the window, an offer comes in for Eddie, do we take it? I don't know. This is something I've thought about quite a bit myself. Um, 
I, I'll throw it out there now. I would because I, I don't think he's the backup centre forward. Yeah, I think it's I, I think it's Trossard. Yeah, I, I do yeah. too. I think it's Trossard. So I, I personally, mm-hmm. I would sell him. That's a fair well, point. Personally, I'm sorry. Yeah, I would. I was just uh, thinking about the club. Yeah, um, and I don't think Mikel would want to. I don't either. Yeah, I don't either. I would sell though, 100. percent Because I mean, now you've got uh, Trossard, uh, Havertz, even Balogun. Yeah, that's uh, a good War- point. Or it, it, I'm sorry, was it if Balogun? Yeah, goes? if Balogun's already oh, gone. I'm sorry. Because I, I think still. if Balogun's not gone and we get an offer for Eddie, I think we're booking the Uber, right? Yeah. Mm. Oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think there's a. I don't. If someone came in, if Crystal Palace came in tomorrow, let's just use Palace as an example, and and they offered us 25 million for Eddie, 30 million, I, I think he'd be gone. I, I don't think it'd be a question. I think the question is if Balogun is gone, do you do it? Yeah. Yeah, you have to read between the lines as well because I, I know Eddie was injured for uh, the second part of the season for parts of it. I, I do realise that. But the fact that we brought in Trossard and put him into that role to replace Eddie and then when Eddie was back, he still was not getting appearances ahead of Trossard does tell you that Arteta, I think, is now starting to th- to to look at options perhaps of moving Eddie on. That That's my opinion on it because sometimes you just got to read between the lines on how it is. Yeah, and, I mean, I don't and, think that Arteta's ever actually rated Eddie. I mean, what he says and what he does are two different things, right? Well, and Gav, I just want to—I can't bang this over the head enough. Eddie is is a, a good striker. He's he's a shit impact player, though. Mm. Yeah, he, he and and that's the most important mm. thing in a in a a, a second striker, mm. right, or a Plan B striker. Mm. Eddie cannot score off the bench. Well, he'd be if you if you were looking at it, let's let's do it this way then, right? So if you look at the squad right now and you've got your first eleven out on the out on the pitch, it's ten minutes to go and you're you're two one down or you're one one, you, you desperately need a goal. What number sub is Eddie? Right? Because I think you've got Trossard is definitely ahead of him yeah. in the queue, right? Smith Rowe should definitely be ahead of him in the queue. Reese Nelson. Reese Nelson is definitely ahead of him in the queue. Yep. I think Fabio Vieira is probably ahead of him in the queue. So at best, and this isn't including including Balogun because we think he's he's going to be gone in this scenario. So in that scenario, I don't honestly, I don't even know that Eddie makes the bench because one of Eddie or Reese, when you think about it, nine is it is it seven subs, nine subs, whatever it is. I think one, it's nine still. It's nine. When we were looking at the end of last season, we were debating on who was going to miss out, and it, it never there was always someone injured, so we never really saw it. But one of Eddie or Reese isn't going to make the bench for most games. Mm. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't see, I, I agree with you. I, I, if it was me, I would be actively looking for suitors for Eddie, but I don't think we are. So both of them then is what you're thinking. I, I mean, I would, it depends. If Balogun wants to, I think Balogun is a lot more about what the player wants, right? Because I, I think Balogun wants to leave. And that's a very different scenario. I, I I like that about him, though. It sounds weird. I know it sounds strange. It's ambition, to say though. That, but I kind of like right? that. Hmm? Ambition. Sorry, pause. Absolutely. Yeah, you want that in a striker. A striker, like, I, I don't think, it, it, you know, a striker that just wants to be second fiddle, that's not... So what if it's Jesus? He's thinking, look, I've, I've okay, it's the French League, not the highly rated league, but he... He knows how to, he he scored goals. He was accomplished, and he's thinking, "Look, I need I deserve a chance." I, I actually like that about him. And for me, it's like the you know, it's like the analogy of um, 
the woman that never gives you attention and you keep going and going. And then once she does give you attention, you're like, ah, yeah, you know, it's kind of like that with Balogun. The fact that he doesn't want it, you kind of want him more to stay. So, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'd like to, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this preseason to see what he's got. It'll be good to see. Same. Yeah, I am too. Yeah, agreed. It's going to be interesting to see him up there because I don't, you know, we all saw little bits of him last season, but nothing mm. major. So it's going to be interesting to see what he can do with these players around him in this system. It, it is going to be an, be an intriguing one. I can't, I can't wait for the games to start. Absolutely. All right, lads. Well, thank you very much for uh, joining tonight. Hopefully, it was an enjoyable show. I, I definitely enjoyed this one. So I will, um, I will speak to you guys later, and we will see you towards the uh, end of the week. Guys, good night. Sounds good. Good, good night. night.